You know, oh, that's my jam. It, it is. That's my jam. I was listening to that when the coronavirus kicked in. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That Just walking that was around. That's my theme. It actually fit the the times because the city was so deserted, so it felt like a desert in its own weird way. Yeah, and I'm just listening to the. It was so it, it fit it so well, you know. The music for this it show, felt like the Wild West almost. Banging music for this show, all composed by one man whose name slipped my mind, but we discussed it on the last episode of Trigun. This is Boku no Podcast, an anime podcast. We back, yeah, we back, folks. Back after a unfortunate hiatus, a lightning strike killing our main editing computer. <laughs> sounds like a joke. <laughs> it sounds like a shitty excuse. <laughs> <laughs> this is a part two of our Trigun special. Finally, the long-awaited, we're here, and man, this is my. This is not my favorite arc of Trigun, but this is where the juice is. This is mm-hmm. where it really gets going. This is where it's rare. This is the villain arc of Trigun. Mm-hmm. The, first, uh, the first arc of Trigun, you break that show into thirds, you got to introduce us to the crew. Who, who are these lovable cats? You get Vash, you get Millie, you get Meryl. It's, it's, you get and then little... you get the last one in this, uh, yeah. in this little posse. Right? So... So this all starts with like the sand steamer arc, mm-hmm. a three episode lull in the show, if you will. But they start to pepper in a little bit of who Vash is, what's going on with him. There's like way this is kind of them trying to build out, flesh out the world that they're in a bit more. You yeah. get you get a feel for uh, you get a feel for some of the people who are running things. So there's this steamer. That totally looks like something straight out of Star Wars. <laughs> you need to use it to cross the desert. I forgot what those were called. The, the cr- it's like the crawlers or yeah, it's the it's what those do the the fucking. Never mind. <laughs> I can't even think of the things that run. George Lucas things. is like, well, we actually decided to call them the Wump Scuddlers now. <laughs> we find the kids really, the kids enjoy it a lot more. We're gonna sell all the toys. We're gonna. <laughs> We're going to make so much money with Hasbro. I could have you killed. (laughs) (laughs) You question me, I'm worth billions. Is that what George Lucas sounds like? (laughs) (laughs) He's over it, bro. He's sick of everyone talking shit. So he has like a weird like puppet voice now? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So the steamer arc, there's... There's not a lot in it. it. It's a fun arc. You get to meet one of my favorite villains, Brilliant Dynamite's Neon. Yeah. He looks like he doesn't belong in this show. He looks too well-dressed. Like, where are yeah. you getting that Where are you getting that suit dry-cleaned, man? It's the fucking <laughs> apocalypse. Hoity-toity. <laughs> oh. He's got those big-ass shoulder pauldrons. <laughs> Whenever I'm no. in space... Give me some stroller pauldrons, man. That's that, If Warhammer and Marvel have taught me anything, it is that as soon as you cross Saturn in the Galactic Empire, it's, 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 you are judged by the size of your shoulders. You've got to have an eagle on one, the Statue of Liberty on the other. <laughs> you gotta, like, that's a sign of power. 
Yeah, you don't need big shoulders. You can't <laughs> risk landing on an alien planet where they judge you by that and you don't have it in place. It's like a lion with no mane. <laughs> Specifically on alien planets? It, it seems, it's a thing. I want you to think of Chronicles of Riddick. <laughs> and you tell me that those shoulder pauldrons... Those weren't aliens, though. Those were necromongers. I mean... And furians. <sighs> But they're not Ooga Booga aliens. <laughs> that that they're is like, they're that is hate human. speech. <laughs> you are having hate speech upon Ooga Booga aliens. That what, what do you want me to say? Is like, that what everything in Redline is to you? An Ooga Booga? <laughs> you know what I mean though. Not like a human, right? Mm. Like you know that is that is a frustration of mine with with shows like Trigun and Outlaw Star, where you're like, all right, these are humans in air quotes, but like I don't know that. I'm just kind of like none of these people are like I'm from Utah or something. It's uh, you don't know where you don't know where humanity's at. Yeah, you're not supposed to know. I don't think you're supposed to even wonder. Yeah, because they're not even on Earth anymore. But Dynamite Neon, like he reminds me of a uh, what was that Dragon Ball Z uh, villain? The purple and uh, red guy. It was the mo- one of the movies. Oh, Bojack? No, not no. Bojack. It's on the tip of my tongue. Janemba. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't he look like Janemba? That was the first thing that went through my head when I saw Dynamite. Neon. You know what? I was like, that looks like Janemba, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it. The color scheme, the purple hat. Yeah, the red face, he looks like the yellow eyes. He looks like he's wearing a fedora, Janemba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. See. <laughs> Anyways, that's what went through my mind. So we meet this fuck-ass little sea urchin, or sand urchin, I guess you would say. He's a... Uh, he lies to Vash outright. He's like, I need to get on this steamer. I'm trying to, like, save my family. Everyone, Everyone's constantly lying to Vash because he's a sucker. No. And really, the purpose of this episode is to give us this dream sequence with Vash, which is the first of many where the show starts to pepper in some backstory because at this point we don't even know vash's last name yeah you don't know what's going on we know he's a good guy we know he'll fight for water rights for people he doesn't know we know he he wants to do good we're no longer in the midst of thinking oh vash is this bad person that everyone has said he is at that at this point the riddle of that is gone but we don't know who he is still like, we don't know where he's from. We don't know any shit about him. I start getting all these flashbacks. Yeah, throughout the episode. That finally, you know, some of the lore. You could piece together the things, but not quite. Yeah, and so... <laughs> Do what you will with that. These, um, so the men who are hijacking the sand steamer, Brilliant Dynamite's Neon and his team, they're like, we're going to raid the sand steamer. We're going to steal it. The men are hijacking it, and they come to realize that they're, they they basically tell one of the men, they're like, you're going to be our pilot or you're going to die. And the pilot says the thing that I don't think any American would say, which he's like, kill me. 
<laughs> and so they kill him. And then someone's like, dude, we actually don't know how to pilot this thing anymore. Yeah, so like, they're just, it's just I going. They're like, I can't. It, it's kind of funny that yeah. one of the henchmen is like, I can't believe you actually just did that. Like, you, I, I get that you're the boss, and please don't shoot me over this. But we actually are fucked now, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, we don't have a plan. But then the aforementioned child, our stowaway, the person who's lying to, to try to find his family, we find yeah. out that he's a smarty pants. Yeah, we find out his dad made this shit, right? My dad works at Nintendo. Yeah. And I've actually my, played Super Mario 4. My dad is Bill Gates. <laughs> yeah, I've played um, a secret version of Solitaire where all of the cards have naked women on them. It's, you gotta press like a button. Cop. My, my uncle did it, you know? This kid is that kid. Yeah. And he's found himself in the midst of terrorists. And so they are like, hey, kid, you're you're kind of our fucking hostage now. This is <laughs> this is how it goes. And Vash is like, I got to save the kid. There's I don't want to say there's no stakes here. But at this point in the series, there has not necessarily been consequences for anything yet. Right. No one. Now. No one's taken a bullet in the head. No one's taken this. This um, operator of the sand steamer, I believe, might be one of the first people that we see go down in cold blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that brings us to our next episode, and between the wasteland and the sky, where we're still on the steamer. <laughs> you thought it was over? Nah. <laughs> we got to. This is a three-part episode or two-part episode? It's a roughly yeah. It's a two-part arc. Okay. You find out that these men don't want to steal the sand steamer. They want to crash it, to crack it open, because inside the sand steamer is a lot of money. That's M-U-N-N-Y. What else would it be, man? Yeah, you know. And everyone, and this kid is suddenly like, no, I have a lot of sentimental value wrapped up in this steamer. Because yeah. even though I lied to you about those things, I was actually lying about the lies that I told you. And I actually like am related to the people that made this. And I do love this steamer and I don't want to see it destroyed. Please, someone help me. Please, God, please. And <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a it's a it's a story of the helplessness of the common man, I think. I think that's what the their writers and the directors are going for here. You know, because it sucks to always you see women and children caught up in the crossfire of this weird this weird Red Dead Redemption world that they live I in. I wouldn't even compare it to that. <laughs> Better or worse? Of worse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there's got to be raping and pillaging, right? We haven't seen it, but there's got to be. Bro, if there if are... There's bandits, dude. There's raping and pillaging. There are 50-foot-tall people, man. I don't... Oh, uh, but I don't know. There's Are there any racists in this show? <laughs> is there any KKK? There, that is true. There's no racists. <laughs> so, so. so we'll put that... We'll give one point to <laughs> World of Trigon, I guess. Your, your husband might get killed by a giant boomerang. <laughs> but it won't be because he's a black man in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It'll be <laughs> he'll be one you'll find that the people who get killed by giant boomerang actually more white people as a proportion of the population <laughs> get killed by giant boomeranged men. Right. Yeah. You, and they probably deserved it. 
Yeah, yeah they, they were no angels. <laughs> <laughs> I like how we're advocating for like, this terrible piece of shit. Uh, There's a very funny announcement where they announce, they say, attention scumbags. And they announce that they're, they're having their evil terrorist plot occur. <laughs> I, I always think it's funny when terrorists are in such a position of confidence that they're like, all right, people, here's what's going on. We're going to fly this plane into the World Trade Center. <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing you can do about it. Ah! Say your prayers. <laughs> and then, like, can you imagine? This is the most terrifying thing. You'd think it was a joke. <laughs> but until, we're actually descending. Until you saw the blood po- pooling out from underneath the cabin door, you'd think you were being. You're focused. like they actually did an evil laugh <laughs> before the deed. <laughs> you think that's what he was doing? The pilot of that <laughs> when he crashed, he's like ah, he's just like <laughs> just to, he's, you know. he, he said hail Hydra <laughs> right before. That's a, That was on the black box. That was one of those things, you know, George Bush had his brother pull the tapes. That's what the Taliban is screaming. See, people know about Jeb Bush and George Bush. People don't know that Robert Bush actually ran the security management agency for the airport that the planes came out of. And he had them pull the black box footage and the black box audio where you clearly hear the man say, Hail Hydra, <laughs> <laughs> right before impact. So Stanley was assassinated. <laughs> comic-con was an inside job <laughs> yeah so there is a there's a spy pen communicator on the on the steamer and this is it's it's a pretty insignificant device but the point of it is that it's the, one of the first mentions that we get of lost technology they're like, oh, that's lost technology. And you're like, lost technology? Aren't y'all the first fucking people here? Like, wait, 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 back it up. And it's like, no, we're keep going. We got to save this steamer, this this steamer that you care about so much. We got to save it. So, But that that's this show. It's just constantly peppering in, peppering in like a delicious chili. <laughs> the uh, the little nuggets, the little mushroom slices of story. Yeah, they're caramelizing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vash ends up tearing open his wounds, trying to stop these ki- people from hurting this kid. Millie and Meryl, as is classic with this show, Millie and Meryl put themselves in the middle of a Colombian drug raid and don't get hurt at all. Yeah, like they always do. They, they, like, they are... When El Chapo was arrested, Millie and Meryl were there. When Osama caught the bullet in the desert, Millie and Meryl were there. <laughs> when Bin Laden got hung for his crimes, Millie and Meryl were there. And the whole time, they were just like, everyone stop fighting! <laughs> Everyone's got to Sounds st- like an ad for like a law firm. <laughs> like, Millie and Meryl were there. <laughs> when you get robbed, Millie and Meryl will be there. Like... Hey, I'm I'm Meryl Thompson, and I will. I'm gonna fight for for you. Call this, now for free call, consultation. This, <laughs> yeah, the American people. This ad paid for by the Association of Million Meryl. Thompson. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm Meryl, and I'm. We're gonna have the best schools. We're gonna have the best muscles. <laughs> 
Vash ends up hurting himself. It's an act of selflessness. He tears open his wounds. They try to save the steamer. They, they go into the Titanic engine room. They're grabbing handles that are too hot to hold. Too hot for television, even, these handles. <laughs> and they're like, ah, but it, they manage. They manage, against all odds, to save the day. This kid sings some dorky-ass song. And someone remarks, they're like, hmm, that's a song of the old times. A song of the old world. A world long since past. And you're like, what is all this? God damn this show. <laughs> all this talk about this old world lost technology. So you got to move on to the next episode. And this is, this is the meat of the show. Because this is the introduction of one of my favorite characters. Not just in Trigun, but as a kid, as an edgy little kid, when Christian iconography was taking over my world. Tell you what, Nicholas D. Wolfwood, it might have started with you. Because really? after this, I want you to think about it. I want you to really think about Helsing. I want you to think about Trinity or Trinity it, it Blood. For you, it didn't start with uh, Daredevil. It didn't. <laughs> I think I saw Trigun before Daredevil. Okay. And then you get uh, you get D. Gray Man. You get Constantine. Yeah. <laughs> there you get um the, the underworld series there was just my childhood was filled with crucifixes right. everywhere and i don't know what it means to be a christian in japan evangelion oh my god there's oh. christians in japan more crucifixes than you can shake a stick at in evangelion <laughs> <laughs> but i i don't know why um there's this like I don't know why Christian iconography took off so hard in Japan. Because it never felt like anyone was ever, like, referencing Jesus. Yeah, it's just a, it's just aesthetic. It is? Mm, I mean... It's just a look? It's not like a... Th There's Christians there. I don't know what how I'm supposed to answer this. I guess I would really. say, because in America, the secret conceit is everyone thinks... G because I grew up with the with the, you know the crucifix and the things that I liked as a kid. Where do Japanese you know? people think Jesus is from? Because every black person secretly thinks Jesus is black, and every Middle Eastern person's like, we know Jesus is Middle Eastern, and every white person is like, yeah, Jesus is Middle Eastern, but we think he's white, really. You know, I've never spoken to an Asian Christian before. I don't believe I have spoken to an Asian Muslim. For Muslim family, Asian Muslim family, mm, so, a Muhammad Avdal fan, yes. yeah, yeah. and <laughs> they were uh, and they were agnostic like <laughs> years ago, you know. So uh, I don't know what made them go. Oh shit, we gotta <laughs> we gotta pick this practice up. But yeah. would it be offensive to have a shirt with Avdal on it and it said "Praise Muhammad" oh. or whatever? Oh. You know what? We'll we'll get there. We'll cross that boat. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. We are in the desert. Uh, this episode, by the way, called Murder Machine. Hell of a name for an episode. But we're, we're out in the desert, and we see this schlub carrying a cross that looks like a pain in the ass. You're like, yeah. bro, if you're carrying that thing, or, what, what the fuck? It's, like, big enough that you would be annoyed 
if you it looks like over 100 pounds dude like if like, you encounter i bet it is over you know yeah. considering when you see it you're like okay if that's made of wood that thing's like still heavy heavy as shit and then you're like it's not made let of alone wood. lugging it around in the desert <laughs> honestly it's on on some buster sword shit that thing is mad impractical yeah. that is something that i i love i love the idiosyncrasies of teenage boys because that's the type of thing that a, a boy would find so cool, and it just doesn't. Is it like Berserk's great sword? No, okay, because the Dragon Slayer was a sword meant to kill dragons. The idea being, if you want to take down a dragon, but I'm saying like the way guts like you know just shreds through like hordes of men with like spears and fucking like. You know, everything, every other arsenal you could think of, you know? You see, it reminds me more of, have you ever seen um, Gungrave? Brandon Heat hauls around a coffin filled with guns everywhere he goes. And you're like, a coffin? <laughs> that's like a, it's like 700 pounds of shit. It's like some Punisher-ass shit, dude. But like, it's his weapon of choice. is a coffin that is a gun. It's pretty American, dude. <laughs> it's the most American thing I've ever heard of. It's an anime. I mean, still. It's an anime in a game. A bo- I I would rather carry a box full of guns than just one gun and a <laughs> pistol. You know, <laughs> like I just gotta carry a, a, a armory with me. You know, it doesn't get more American than that. You know, That's every a- every true American wants and wants their own armory. Arnold Schwarzenegger did have a coffin full of guns in Terminator Three. Yeah, an American, <laughs> a true American like Arnold Schwarzenegger. A true, a, a true American. I can't even do the. A I'm true a, American like Arnold. I'm true American. Come I was, on. I am from Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Californian. <laughs> Boston, Mass. Oh two one three four. <laughs> so they meet this schlub in the desert. And they're like, hey, what's your name? And he's like, my name's Wolfwood. And they're like, you look like you need a ride. They're, they're on like a bus. They pick him up. He's, he's a schlub, but he's, he's doing it for the kids. He's doing confessions. He's hitting people with all, all of, this, of the tropes of being a Christly man. No. Dude, I can't... The Boondock Saints, like, there are so many... Catholic murderers. Yeah, this. I thought of that. I was like, no wonder why Nick likes this guy. (laughs) He's in a suit. He has a big gun. I I just like guys in suits with guns who might be Catholic. Sunglasses. (laughs) You know. Okay, maybe. Okay, in um in Reservoir Dogs, isn't isn't one of them Catholic? (laughs) I think they all are. (laughs) I think they're all religious folks. God damn. God damn. God damn America. You fucking you beautiful. This is what you like. We are a beautiful country. <laughs> so yeah, so confessions. People are like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I'm out." He hits you with a story that is so sobby, so sappy that it sounds fake. Like, I work for an orphanage. And I'm like, I have not seen an orphanage in my life. And I have been looking. <laughs> I have been looking for a haunted orphanage for 20 years. <laughs> Jeez. Have you ever seen an orphanage? 
think I've walked past one. You couple. think? <laughs> yeah, I think. I know I've walked past a battered woman shelter. I know I've walked past a place that tests for chlamydia. Like, I know all kinds of buildings. I've, I've walked past a bagel. Like a, like a foster home? I've, I know I've walked past a building that just made bagels. I know I've walked past a building that only made barbecue sauce. I don't think I've ever in my life seen an orphanage. Not even in, like, New York City or anything? Where I I just don't, maybe I I I don't I think because I, I always assume it's gonna have like a rain cloud over it and bats <laughs> like swarming around like you know I like yeah fly, and like, Peter Pan flying out I of get the there and a black shit. cat's like <laughs> as soon as I pull up and like a withered old lady just yelling at children yeah <laughs> get inside no one will ever love you no porridge for you <laughs> please miss please can we just get a little bit of sunshine nobody loves you go in your room <laughs> you, you taped plastic bags over the windows and we just want a little bit of sunshine you don't shut up I'm gonna put you in the oven <laughs> she hits him with a wooden spoon and you're like god it's cockney as fuck in there <laughs> I don't think they're like that though <laughs> <laughs> hey, I I, I just don't know. Picturing cobwebs everywhere. <laughs> it's like insane asylums. Another thing, that, another anachronism that we kind of don't really have as much anymore. We just let the crazy people roam the streets, being crazy people. Yeah. Like I, I do find it weird how I never f- like met a kid that you know. He goes, yeah, I'm staying at an orphanage right now. I, I, you know? I, I never met a kid like I met adopted friends. You know, like I met <laughs> adopted kids everywhere. I've, if I type "where is an orphanage" into Google, it says, "Why are you looking at this? <laughs> why, why are you looking this up?" And then I feel you like don't, I'm you on, don't think they're like out in the mansion somewhere in the forest. Maybe that's. I don't we, want them there. Why? I don't want them in the middle of. I don't want kids with no people vouching for them in the middle of nowhere. No, they get in a school bus and then they go to school. <laughs> Why do they have to go to a different school? What about having dead parents? It means you got to learn math different. <laughs> I mean, it's a good good orphanage. <laughs> so Nicholas Wolfwood works at an orphanage, <laughs> and he's. Tr- <laughs> He's trying to collect money for it because, as you know, orphanages are always strapped for cash. I don't know how the economics of an orphanage works. I'm going to look this up after. I have a lot of questions. (laughs) (laughs) So he's out there. He sees these kids and he's like, hey, you kids, you look like you haven't eaten all day. And they're like, we haven't, mister. We're scrubs. And he's like, well, guess what, kids? You get to eat some fucking candy. This cut me both ways. Yeah. If you see some homeless kids and you're like, hey, you want some candy, homeless kids? You're going to, these kids. They these, don't need candy, their dude. Their teeth are already on the on the bleeding edge. Yeah, <laughs> like they're not. And you're, you can't teach them that they have to look for candy. <laughs> you got to teach them. They got to make a meal for wolf themselves. Wolfwood, Wolfwood, Wolfwood. You can't you're just feeding candy at your orphanage? <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you run your, your fucking show, bro? A bowl of candy for uh, dinner and every breakfast? Every kid gets a bowl of candy in the morning and a bowl of candy before bread. So, before bread. <laughs> so that they know that. Before bread. Before bed. Candy before bread. Candy before bed. That's what I say. <laughs> So that they know they're loved. And they're like, Wolfwood, you've got Wolfwood, we just want the bread. We don't want the candy. (laughs) We need vegetables, Mr. Wolfwood. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get jaundice, Mr. Wolfwood. (laughs) 
nonsense. I need this money to buy bullets. <laughs> I need so many bullets. I need nine. If I don't have bullets, I can't run this orphanage. I, fucking kid. <laughs> I need 12 guns. I need them. <laughs> I need guns and backup guns. We, we, we're so hungry. <laughs> We you, want to. You bought another gun, Mr. Wolf. We're <laughs> <laughs> <was> so hungry. <laughs> so hungry. <laughs> so you just want more. <laughs> I need bullets to defend these orphans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, robots attack. And these robots are remnants of that lost technology. Don't be scared. We hinted at it in the last episode. <laughs> So for all you people out there, oh, whoa, 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 where's all this lost technology? Um, Remember that pen, bro? Yeah. That's why we recap this type of shit. <laughs> we do it for you, to keep you safe, keep you from getting whiplash in your little brain from what's going on. Robots attack, and we find out that Wolfwood, not only can he fight, he knows Neon. He's like, oh, you were attacked by Neon. And you're like, that's weird. You're like on a first name basis with a criminal in the area. Mm -hmm. But this man is like, where's my daughter? Has anyone seen my daughter? And it's like, whoa, bro. <laughs> we all get attacked by robots. It was literally just your responsibility to watch your daughter. <laughs> like, we were all under robot attack, bro. Like, we were all, we all kept our kids safe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this man's like, where's my daughter? And they're like, we've got to go get, we got to go get this daughter. We got to go get this man's daughter. Got to go save her. They go, they try to fight the, the robots. The knife breaks while they're fighting one of the robots. And they're like, fuck, what are we going to do? Duh, what, we all, uh, we're screwed. Vash comes in. And this is an interesting moment. So Vash comes in and he shoots off a bunch of rounds or, or rather Vash shoots four shots but the this is like an interplay between what we see on the screen and the sound design of the show and it's interesting because with Wolfwood with everyone else that's seen Vash you're like these people are schlubs these people are these people suck they don't know what's going on these people are constantly in danger Wolfwood's the first like competent person Vash has encountered. So I mean, when, other than Millie and Meryl, Millie and Meryl are okay. But I'm saying a robot goes for Wolfwood, and you hear bang, you hear boo, and four bullet holes appear in the robot, and the robot starts to fall apart. And Wolfwood says that sounded like one shot. <laughs> and so I I think that. Up until this point in the show, you know that Vash is a good gunman, but this is the first like concrete moment where you realize exactly how good he is. And it's that when Vash has been firing off shots against all of these outlaws and whatnot in the desert, it's been them like pow, 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 pow. And on Vash's end, it's like bang. And it's like he just shot all six of his shots. Yeah. And then he's reloading and it's like bang. And he shot all of his shots again. And that's like a thing that it wasn't like conveyed to, and I've seen this show multiple times and I kind of didn't get that Vash is shooting like that until this moment, this second time through. Because hmm. Wolfwood's like, I can't hear the sep I can't hear the separation in this guy's shots. And Wolfwood is a killer. Right. 
Like Wolfwood's a, a, an amazing gunman, and he's like, "This is insane. I've never seen someone shoot that." And the shots are not all going to the same place. He's shooting them in separate areas, yeah. and so this is like the first indications that we're getting that Vash is super is potentially superhuman. Yeah, it's completely abnormal. Yeah, like it's like that's not being a fast gunman. That's like firing like a robot. Yeah, it's like alien fast. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense that Vash is constantly going through bullets if he's shooting like this also. <laughs> um, <laughs> the robots the whole time that they're killing people, they're saying, your ID has not been verified. Your ID has not been verified. Your ID has not been verified. And you're like, what the? this is great. Uh, to me, this is great like visual storytelling because you're like, Okay, so these robots are from a lost time where at some point these robots had to verify IDs. So if they're verifying IDs, these robots were probably programmed by humans. Yeah, or like a government entity or something. Yeah, these are bureaucratic robots. Yeah, these are like airport robots or something. (laughs) Yeah, so these aren't alien, like these aren't lizard people robots, (laughs) you know? Because Outlaw Star just fucking hits you with like the horse people and the lizard men out of like the frog world out of nowhere. You suddenly see sexy, like, monitor lizard women, and you're just like... Yeah, as if you've seen it before. <laughs> as if it's like, oh, yeah, you're cool. We're cool, right? And you're like, no! No, everything... I, there was a cat woman, but, like, this shit got very weird very quickly. <laughs> Outlaw Star's like, don't worry. These are human robots. So now you're like, what did this... Were there humans here who got wiped out? Yeah, sounds very Fallout-like, you know? The pre-war. <laughs> the pre-war weapons. They're trying to get this girl back. This girl is placed... The, the robots have, like, arbitrarily surrounded her in the middle of the ship, you know? It's mm-hmm. like... It's just... A, it, it's a very hokey... It's almost like a video game-esque hostage scenario. <laughs> it's just like, a quest. Yeah, it's like, retrieve the woman. So they're in the... But they're in the... You know, I misspoke here, because in my notes, I said inside the alien ship. But they are inside a spaceship. Um, Vash is going on and on about how hungry he is. And Nicholas Wolfwood's like, hey, man, here you go. And he pulls out some more candy. Because <laughs> that's how this guy lives. This is strange, dude. And, um, but he breaks... <laughs> where where he gave each of the kids earlier, like he pulled out a Kit Kat bar and basically broke it in half and gave each kid half. With this, he like pulls out... Pulls out a Kit Kat and basically breaks off like one piece and gives it to Vash. And Vash is like, "You were, you were way more generous when people were around." <laughs> yeah. He's like, "I thought you were a man of God." And Wolfwood's like, "I'm just gonna eat this." <laughs> it's the king sized Kit Kat, right? It, but it is funny that Wolfwood's like, "Hey, man, I got to be very real. I don't know you that well." <laughs> and I, you're an adult. You're an adult. I man. feel less things for you. And so they, they, they start having their talks. Wolfwood's waxing poetic. He says stuff like, when you're doing it for them, a real man, a real man would go out there and lay it all on the line in an instant. And you're like, dude, that's such a scary thing to say in the wasteland. Like, <laughs> that's how, I, I, I got to think about my wife being like raped to death, man. Like I've got to think about my daughter getting her head bashed against a rock because she has two cans of beans in her backpack that some guy wants. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> like, yeah. 
You can't just always be laying it all on the line. I can't. In this economy? <laughs> In this wasteland? In this wasteland? I don't got enough Kit Kat bars for that. <laughs> but um, this plays some of that bumping ass music. I believe they play uh, our title track. Never could have been worse. Never could have been worse. Yeah. It starts playing here. Before they go into battle, Wolfwood says, let us have some prayer. Let's have a prayer. You know? Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't say if he's praying to Jesus or Allah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Look at the guy. Yeah. It'd be funny if he like put on a yarmulke and pulled out <laughs> <laughs> lit eight candles. <laughs> Hold on, before we head, in, <laughs> head into battle. Hold on, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, Vash. <laughs> uh, I really like this exchange, though. Vash is like, does saying a prayer work? Does it like, will that prayer keep us safe? And Wolfwood's like, it's up to you if it does or not. <laughs> oh, that's a good line. That's a good line to say to a man right before he gets shot. <laughs> like, your prayer didn't work. And it's like, yeah, you did something wrong. <laughs> you didn't let it work for you. You didn't read the fine print. <laughs> <laughs> so they go into it, and Vash hands Wolfwood a gun. And Wolfwood says, I've never shot a gun before, which is really fucking funny. Oh, my God. He's like, all right. Um... So they get into this situation where Wolfwood is looking on as Vash is, sh- is um, facing down a robot. Vash's handgun is out of shots. And you're like, oh shit, Vash is about to get his shit pushed in for real this time. How's our boy, how's our slippery banana of a main character going to get out of this one? <laughs> and then we, it cuts away and we cut back and it's Vash standing before a smoking crater of a robot. You're left to wonder... What happened there? It's like a dramatic cutaway cut back. And not to give spoilers for later on in this episode, if you haven't finished Trigun already, but I at first thought it was the angel arm. But in retrospect, I, I realized that it, this is the If first. it was the angel arm, dude, no. There, there would be nothing left. So it's the this is the first hinting, because this show loves to hint. This is the first hint that Vash's left arm is prosthetic. Right. And I didn't take, I didn't internalize that at first. Because I, I was like, oh shit, he used it. He used the thing. I like whispered into my own TV. He did the thing that he's not supposed to do. Oh my god. But now I'm realizing that that and I understand why it would be like your top secret thing to have like yeah, I've actually got a gun in my arm cuz that would be that's the most no, checkmate yeah. thing ever. Yeah, it's your blackjack move. That's literally the plot of Afro Samurai. Is I've got a secret arm shit. Yeah, it's <laughs> the plot of Django too. Yeah, I got secret <laughs> I got secret shit going on. <laughs> no. Vash shuts the ship down, and there's multiple things here going on. Vash goes in, he shuts the ship down, and he says, sleep... He shuts all the robots and their defensive grids down, and when he does it, he says something like, now you can finally rest. And that's a... You know, everything in these shows is here for a reason. What did you take from it when Vash said that to the ship? I just think he thinks, like, I don't know. 
the ship has like a soul. Initially, this is what I thought. I was like, oh, it's probably more in tuned with things, you know, not just living things, but like inanimate objects. Bro, type shit. you but. turn off a bunch of robots that were trying to kill you a minute ago. Are you going to say now you can finally rest? Well, I'm saying like Vash is like a very like, uh, you know, nice guy. He is. You know, he has compassion for like things beyond just, you know, a person, right? Yes. Yeah, I actually do want to. So, like, I guess he, he, you know, maybe he doesn't know for sure that, you know, robots have like feelings or not. But if they do, he would like to, you know, be nice. I guess I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to take. I didn't. I didn't really think too deeply. I mean, now you get one. it. It's like, ah, oh, this is like, this is an emotional moment because this is like a relic of what will learn to be Vash's past. Right. And so he's actually the only one there that even like vaguely knows why this ship is here. Yeah. For everyone else, it's just that thing, that spooky haunted, it's that orphanage in the desert, that spooky haunted house yeah. out there in the desert. It's all they ever known. Yeah, and Vash is like, ah, oh, oh, man. It's like seeing the last Pontiac Grand Am, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Like some point in the year, like 2050, when I see the last Pontiac Grand Am, I'm going to put my hand right there on the hood of that V6 Hemi. And I'm going to say, now you now you can go into that long good night. <laughs> <laughs> That's your baby? That's the car that you're going to always talk to? <sighs> Ain't no better feeling than a Pontiac Grand Am peeling off over the horizon. <laughs> Pack a, a natty light camo box in the passenger seat. <laughs> with with Skinnerd ripping, ripping on the AM radio. AM, <laughs> I don't know what this character is anymore. <laughs> so I thought it was very. I love the storytelling in this series, and you know, I kind of thought it was a little bit of a slow drip feed at first. I'm like, come on, come on, hit me with it, hit me with it. Because, for instance, as a idea, we started watching. Code Geese the other day and that show that show takes its story and puts it on a bus and drives it right into your fucking house. <laughs> yeah. It's dialed up to 10. <laughs> that that show is stressful with how much story is happening. And yet in Trigun, you're watching people you're not used to the pace of people sitting at a bar playing darts. And you're like, yeah, this is going to be a five-minute scene leading up to one line of dialogue that gives you a little bit of a hint on why that man's jacket is red. But we're getting into it now. The pace is picking up. <laughs> we're getting on the bus ride back. Now we're at this. This is not a filler episode, but this is a kind of a throwaway. We're in Quick Draw. The one with the competition. This is the one where it's Wolfwood v. Vash. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's Vash. It opens with Vash going over his morning routine. He's like, I'm an elusive hunter for the mayfly known as love and peace. <laughs> He's got some sexy lines. I, I, I try to incorporate these into my uh, pickup game. You know, I tell women that I'm like a warrior hunting the elusive mayfly of love. They love that shit, man. And I spritz myself with some lavender oil. Tell them that like I feel like our chakras align. It, it works, man. For the listeners you know, who don't, you'll be the weirdest wingman ever. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
<laughs> Who's that guy? <laughs> <laughs> Talking about peace and love and shit. I'm trying to get you guys. D- 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 you know what's funny is if you ever go to a- you, like I imagine this guy you're playing has like bell bottom jeans and like John Lennon sunglasses <laughs> and <laughs> like. <clears throat> so Vash is out here trying to use his dead girlfriend as a pickup line. <laughs> he's like talking to a woman. He he has he's paying these kids to like cajole women into talking to him. They're like, yeah, can you go talk to that man? And then he's like, yeah, my girlfriend recently passed away. Maybe you could help me out with like trying to. <laughs> he he has this like whole fake story about how his girlfriend died recently and it's left him emotionally vulnerable. And he's using it to try to pick up chicks. Because if you haven't been able to tell by like thirteen episodes in, Vash is horny. As hell. He's trying to fuck. I don't know if he's ever done it successfully. He might be a virgin. You think so? I I want him not to be, but... Maybe he just did it before and liked it so much that he only did it once, maybe. He's like a dog. Yeah. came once and... He just wants it all, all the time. He is like he's trying to watch women change in the shower. He's trying to fucking trick. I want to stress this. He's trying to lie and trick women into being with him. He's trying to have sex with women by giving them false names and telling them fake stories about who he is or how much money he has or where he works or where he's been. He just comes in and he hits these women with these 20 pound lies. Just tries to fucking bet him and then leave and change his name, sand off his fingerprints, and go to the next town. He's not very good at it, but Vash is a grade A scumbag. <laughs> he is he is a gin freaks level piece. If he, of if shit. he has a scheme like that, then he's probably done it before. It's probably worked before. <laughs> Every guy just tries the thing that worked once over and over again. It's like, hey, it worked. It, it's a numbers game, bro. It's, it's, it's a all numbers game, man. Vash and Wolf would like, it's all numbers, man. It's like, there's no way they're going to all say no, man. One of them's going to say yes. <laughs> so we cut to the next town. Vash runs into Wolfwood here. And this is like, it's kind of small world syndrome, but then you're like, I mean, there's what? Every city is named after a. Every major city is named after a month. Like, there's the city of February, the city of July, the city of Augusta. And so it's like there's only a handful of major population points in this entire world. It sounds like the world is like confused. It's like they're trying to take stuff out of the past, but they don't know what it is. You know, like they got everything jumbled up and mixed up. Yeah, it's fucked up. Like people are you'll people find stuff like a Toyota Prius and they're like, what is this? Like maybe like ad- they ride maybe addresses it. or like dates like, you know, like where does Carol live? She lives in February 19, <laughs> you know, 1992. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Everyone's riding like chicken horses. <laughs> yeah. And and you're like, they seem to have the technology for cars. There's things that are far more advanced than cars everywhere, but everyone's riding chicken horses. <laughs> yeah. 
So he encounters Wolfwood, and Wolfwood, as a man, as a as a character in a '90s anime, does he's like, I encountered a woman. She's being harassed by thugs. She owes them a lot of money. Her husband died. I don't know. She's in fat debt, bro, and I'm trying to smash. So I'm gonna get her out of it. There's this quick draw competition. Fifty thousand double dollars is the prize. I'm seeking. I'm fucking gonna win this shit. Unless you sign up, then you can win it, and I can just sit back and eat the pussy. You know what I'm saying? Vash is like, well, I was trying to smash, but I guess you can smash. And so they both enter the quick draw competition by entering each other's names against each other's wills. This is one of the many moments where someone goes up to the businessman and they're like, hey, man, um, Osama bin Laden is uh, competing in this karaoke competition that you set up. Uh, Should we do something about it? And they're like, couldn't possibly be the osama bin laden <laughs> that's preposterous let it let it ride it'll drum up publicity everyone will come out to see if osama is singing maroon five colors <laughs> and when they realize it's not osama we will be in the clear <laughs> and it's like every businessman in this world operates exactly the same way it's just like Hey, I, Kim Jong-un says he's coming to your birthday party. And they're like, let him in. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, the this- publicity will be worth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, clearly Mr. Un has an eye for quality. And if it's not him, the party is all the juicier for the newspaper. I don't mind a little bit of infamy <laughs> <laughs> in my record. Yeah, they're like, Jeffrey Epstein is trying to come to the party, sir. And they're like, oh, you know, there's no there's no such thing as bad press. <laughs> my father told me that all publicity is good publicity. Listen, there are things they don't teach you in business school. <laughs> one of them is that you must hang out with pedophiles. <laughs> if you went to I, I, NYU, you would know this. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm a pedophile from the NYU Stern School of Business. I'm here to do some consulting for your company. <laughs> so I'm understanding you all are into adult-aged women. Have you considered the alternative? <laughs> alternative? Alternative professor? <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, there's always, I enjoy, though, that there's always one bureaucrat at the water company here. There's always one bureaucrat that's like, this is a little suspicious. <laughs> we maybe we should do so. Like, I don't want people getting hurt. I don't want someone to think Vash is here and then someone puts like a car bomb here or yeah. something. Like, I don't want anyone getting hurt. Should we do something? And then you get the ch- cigar chomping businessman being like, "Nah, let her ride, baby. <laughs> drill, baby, drill." <laughs> and so they have their competition now. This also highlights the other thing that I've noticed with the series is up until about episode seven, Vash is constantly giving aliases. He's always giving fake names. Whenever someone asks who he is, he says like, oh, I'm just your, your friendly neighborhood milkman. Like he always gives some bullshit. Around uh, him saving the water town, he starts to unabash, and I and I think it's to get the pussy. I think it's a pickup tactic, but he starts like approaching women. He's like, "What's up? I'm Vash the Stampede." <laughs> like, because yeah. he's definitely like the first two episodes of this show is a who's who of who is Vash. It's like he really 
he is playing such a low profile for, I guess, decades. <laughs> he has to. The whole town comes running if he. And yet, about. I guess after this whole water incident, maybe it's an attempt at rehabilitating his name. Because I yeah. did, it didn't. I I wanted at first to brush it off, but I did think it was weird that he starts to openly give out his name right around now. Yeah, I think he's like. And we're going to find out why, but I think he's like, I, you know what? If I saved that last town, maybe I can actually do enough good to undo that thing that happened in July. And I want you to put a pin in that, the thing that happened in July. Because we've been wondering about that for forever. They're like, that's Vasha Stampede. He's responsible. They say episode one. He's responsible for the thing that happened in July. And... Yeah. Initially, I thought they meant the month of July. You know? <laughs> so I was a bit confused for a little bit about that. But so Wolfwood's there. We find out that Wolfwood is from a place that's 300 aisles outside of the city of December. I don't know what an aisle is, but if you take that to be like, oh, I'm from 300 miles outside of Baltimore, that puts him in my neck of the woods. Hell yeah. That's where I'm from, man. man. This isn't even Earth. No, but that's like you live in, uh, you know what it's like to live three hours outside of, like, I live three hours outside of Atlanta in a place like Valdosta, Georgia or something. I don't know. Mm. It's Macon. (laughs) You consider yourself Atlanta. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, live on a town in the outskirts of it, really. And I'm like, that's a tenuous place for an orphanage, man. But... As he said, he's doing it for the kids. And what kind of fucking monster would you have to be to be against that? Pretty bad one. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) Millie gets naked drunk. We learned that about her. Millie's a fucking strip naked and shake her tits drunk. Yeah, because Meryl is always fucking uh, strapping her down. Just like... (laughs) You know, keep her tie on Millie, keep fucking <laughs> slut. And now she, whenever she has to kick back and go loose, dude, she's—that's who she really is. You know, yeah. Meryl can't keep the chains on for long. She gave her a couple of shots of fireball, dude. Unfettered from Meryl's prudery, Millie's in like a polyamorous relationship. <laughs> she's like going to Fet Fest. She's at the Adult Video Awards. She's like she has an OnlyFans. She's got an OnlyFans, bro. She activates it again. <laughs> 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 Meryl hey, forces her to delete it. She's putting like she put that Instagram it. post where she was like, "Follow my other, my private Instagram account." <laughs> <laughs> Follow my priv. <laughs> you've got to, you've got to get requested. And I'm like, yeah, at Millie at priv. <laughs> Millie, <laughs> Millie priv. Millie <laughs> vanilli. Yeah. So they're hungover. They get too drunk. From getting drunk with naked Millie. How could you turn that down? But they're hungover. They're still shooting guns like champions. Uh, This woman the whole time... It's funny because the whole time Nicholas Wolfwood, he's like, I'm going to get you that money and save your life, woman. And the woman's like, please stop doing this for me. Please don't do this for me. Like it, go, it turns from like, oh, you men, you don't have, oh, you don't have to do that. To like, please don't do this for me. And it's like, woman, I'm going to win you this money. And it's like, <laughs> sir... I don't know you, and I don't. I don't even want to give you like my phone number 
and you're trying to do all these things for me, and I just met you. And he's like, I'm going to shave, I'm going to shave your whole shit, miss. <laughs> you know, you know what it's like. I've seen this happen a million times. Guy comes back from being overseas. He's deployed. He's got his, uh, his military bonus. So he's got like 35 grand in the bank, but he just got out of a bad relationship because his high school sweetheart started cheating on him while he's overseas. So you know what he does? Oh, he starts gussying up the first stripper that he talks to. Tale <laughs> as old as time, man. And Wolfwood's giving off those vibes right now. <laughs> He's like, I just want to make you my princess. And it's like, oh, but you just want to make any girl your princess because you got a, you got a hole in your heart, man. It's, no, man. He's simping, dude. Yeah. He's simping hard at the quick draw tournament. <laughs> Yeah. At least with Vash, he's trying to fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. Or he's trying to put his his. Vash plant. is a child, dude. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a scheme going on. So Vash shoots some bottles. They break, and then Wolfwood shoots some bottles. Cuts back to Vash shooting different bottles. They recycle the same bottle animation. Yeah. I noticed a lot of these shooting. What scenes, do you expect, man? They didn't have the budget. They didn't have the budget. But it's funny. Wolfwood shoots one of his targets dead on. And Millie's like, you shoot like you used to be a hitman. And she says it like a joke. She's like, you shoot like you used to be a hitman. <laughs> and Wolfwood, meanwhile, is having like PTSD flashbacks of Nam. She's <laughs> like, oh, he's, she's on me. She's on to me. <laughs> he's like thinking about having his holding his buddy's intestine and he's yeah. like, I think I'm going to bleed out. He's like, you're not going to bleed out here. You're not going to bleed out here. <laughs> Millie's laughing and he wished he missed. <laughs> um, so they have Vash uh, get into a quick draw shoot off with a backwards headed man, a man wearing a backwards headed helmet. I thought that was fun. <laughs> and you're fighting a guy with a tattoo of his face on the back of his head. So you, when you think his front, it is his back, and his back is his front, man. <laughs> I knew something was suspicious. <laughs> I thought the way his knees bent the wrong way was weird. <laughs> and the way that he was always like opening jars of peanut butter back like with, with his with his ass to the jar of peanut butter. <laughs> and his thumbs were faced the wrong way. I always thought it was weird that it felt like I was dealing with Xavier Renegade Angel. <laughs> Or like some sort of mirror man. Or the man with two right hands. Some sort of mirror man. He wasn't blinking. <laughs> His mouth wouldn't move when he talked. <laughs> I was hammer drunk, bro. I was talking to a man who had a face on the back of his face. Thus making his front his back and his back his front. You tell me how you defend against that. Should that be who I would be in for Halloween? A man whose back is his front and his front is his back? Making him the most dangerous man in the room? I want to... <laughs> I want to, like, get... I want to wait till everyone's, like, blackout drunk to see, like, if anybody falls for it. I like, see, hey, what's up, man? Like, I want to see a UFC fight with a man who's... <laughs> Where the other guys look like Conor McGregor's like, I can't tell which side of him. I can't tell if he's coming or going. I can't fight a man whose face is tattooed on the back of his head. That'd be fun. Oh, man. Uh, so 
they figure out that Vash is legit. They're like, this guy's shooting is too good. We might, this might be Osama. <laughs> this his terrorism is so he good. He might be a robot. This this might actually be the one. And so they go to Wolfwood. They're like, look! <laughs> and they say, Wolfwood, help us take down Vash. I think there might be 30 billion double dollars in it for you if you help us. <laughs> and Wolfwood's like, ah, I, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. And so Wolfwood, you know, he's like, he's like, I, I, I've only known Vash like a week, you know. And when I really think about it, this guy has caused a lot of damage. So maybe I will take him down. So they start having this gunfight. Wolfwood starts yelling out some shit that is terrifying to hear. Like, I realize we're all having fun and games here, but if you were in your house under gunfire and you heard a man say do what's good for your family resign yourself and die and then he shot four shots at your head that <laughs> that's as tense as it gets that's like don't wake daddy levels of tension <laughs> that's yeah. like me sneaking pizza rolls after midnight bro <laughs> i'm fucking terrified wolfwood is like vash i'm gonna kill you and vash is shooting shots back but wolfwood is like you know what, Vash? I think you're a pussy. And I think, and I think, you're not even shooting at me. I think you're just shooting around me. Because I know that you're so good from the way you pl plastered that robot back there. I know that I'd be fucking dead if I had to actually shoot off of you. Like, you would kill me, dude. You'd kill me so dead, so quick, it's unbelievable. So Wolfwood's leaning in on it. They, they have their fake shootout. They, they, they trick the goons into coming in close. And then you have Wolfwood and Vash be like, now! And they start shooting at the goons. And man, this is some stormtrooper shit. These goons just let themselves. They just stand there and I mean, get it's shot. It's a classic Western trope, I guess. You know? <laughs> oh, no! I, put my, I, I held my revolver over my head, and I screamed, Oh, no, he's going to shoot me! <laughs> As the man yeah. pulled his guns from his cross. <laughs> and activated his dead eye. <laughs> his dead eye ability. As, he, as you see... It's like, what happened to Grandfather? And it's like, well, you see, he was the best shot in town, but he encountered a man who activated vats on him. <laughs> <laughs> he had a pip boy. <laughs> he had a pip boy. He activated vats. And there was little your grandfather could do once that had been established. <laughs> once he was fighting a man powered by the Bethesda game engine, <laughs> his days were numbered. He was no match for Volt Tech. <laughs> <laughs> they start shooting. Wolfwood Wolf is shooting the men with guns. He's shooting their guns with. He's shooting them in their guns with his guns, screaming, "Thou shalt not kill," which is fun. Um, and then, <laughs> homie does go full PTSD riot mode. He starts freaking out. He starts remembering bullets flying overhead. Black helicopters in the sky. Jesse Ventura, governor of Minnesota. <laughs> the Twin Cities, home of Prince. 
And so he's he's shooting into the crowd. They're, all of the men are dead or gone. Wolfwood shooting at empty buildings, screaming, I'll never, ever again let someone hurt these children. Ah! Vash puts his arm on his shoulder and he's like, they're gone. They're all gone. They logged off. <laughs> <laughs> They logged off. Take the headset they, off. They Wolf. left the match. <laughs> <laughs> the chat's empty, bro. You're the only one in the game, man. <laughs> Wolfwood is still firing. Never again. <laughs> Never. How is he still shooting? The game's over. <laughs> <laughs> Homie, you need to do some shrooms or something. You need to, you need to go take you need some, some psilocybin. <laughs> you... We take PTSD way more seriously in this culture than we used to. <laughs> so, and then it, it ends with daddy coming home. This woman's husband comes home finally after all this time. And so putting, putting the kibosh on Wolfwood and Vash's plans to get laid. Better luck next time, boys. <laughs> then, uh, all right. This is where it gets kicking. This is, let's see here. Oh man! Well, actually, this ends with "Escape from Pain" is the last of the of the Wolfwood arc. There, we cut to them playing. Wolfwood's playing chess against Millie in a caravan. Millie wins. He agrees to buy her some pudding. When a dancing girl comes up to them and starts asking them for help, they're like, "What's going on? Why do you need help?" And she's like, "I just got to get out of here." She starts running. They all get wrapped up in it. This is a crazy episode. You find out there's a boy named Moore, a girl named Julius, or no, a girl named Moore, boy named Julius. They're trying to escape from a circus. I don't know. Is there any future where girls dancing on tables isn't indicative of something evil? Are the women in the future ever just dancing on tables because they like it? Is every dancing girl in the future a slave? Because it's like like, Fifth fifth Element. Like future strippers with free will. (laughs) Like, I'm thinking of Cloud Atlas. I'm thinking of Fifth Element. I'm thinking of (laughs) Tank Girl. Star Wars. I just want Leia. I just want these dancing girls to have rights. I want them to have protections. You think they have rights on Coruscant? I don't know if they have PayPal on Coruscant. Visa? Venmo? MasterCard. <laughs> How am I supposed to pay these girls? <laughs> so, Escape from Pain. It um, It's about... <laughs> God damn. This, this is when the series, I feel, starts to turn the goof knob. Because that goof knob has been cranked. Yeah. This has been wacky. We've been really having a wacky time with things. And I think it's time for us to turn that goof knob bit down. Because I was actually, this was, I was like, did this episode show on TV when I was a kid? Because it gets a little more serious than I thought. This kid's like, we're trying to escape. We're trying to escape from this evil city. I don't want to be a part of it anymore. It's the city of Fondrique. I learned recently that my dad, um is a sex trafficker. My dad kidnaps women in mass. He also traffics like drugs and water, but mostly women. Mostly women. <laughs> this is main source of income. Why yeah, this is the main source of cash flow. 
And so Wolfwood is with this kid and his girl who's like, he's like, I'm trying to leave this city with my girlfriend because my dad was literally going to sell her to, to, to have to fuck a bunch of like 40 year old dudes for money. And I'm not about that. I'm fuck all of this. I'm out. I want my freedom. I want to escape. I've got these weird tattoos on me and which we'll come to find are the keys to getting in and out of the city. This kid is the only way in and out of Fondrique. Otherwise, you get gunned down at the gate. There's no access. I don't understand how the economy works like that, but shut up. How about that? So these people are escaping. Meanwhile, Vash, once again unabashedly using his real name, gets hired because these Fondrique people want to, are willing to pay up to 20 million double dollars to get this kid back. They're like, we need this kid. Fuck the girl, shoot her if you see her, whatever. We need the kid back because all of this criminal economy doesn't work if we don't have him. <laughs> no. he's, It'll uh, all crumble. Yeah, he's Tony Soprano's son. He's like, we need him. If he's gone, that's our, we're no longer made men. Yeah. We're the guys that lost the boss's son. We're in a real pickle if we don't get that kid back. Do you know how different it goes from being the guy who watches the boss's son to the guy that lost the boss's son? One of them gets to just have gold bricks and rape. So you gotta know and where he the is, other, Jerry. <laughs> the other has lives in a dungeon and gets beat gets whipped to death. Yeah. So they're freaking out, understandably so. This kid is like, I want this city to fucking fall. I don't even care about the economy of Fondrique. It's a city built on child trafficking and drugs. Like, fuck them. Fuck it all. Who cares? Burn it down. And Wolfwood smacks this kid. Because he's like, dude, a lot of people are a lot of regular, degular moms and dads are going to die if you allow a city that's run by drug trafficking and the sex trade to fall. He's like, I've read the Bible. I know what a Sodom and a Gomorrah are. I've seen this before. And I, uh, I'm i kind of conflicted about this. I don't think this is that kid's problem. Wolfwood gets very dramatic with him, too. He puts a gun to his head. Yeah. Wolfwood puts a gun to his own head. And he's like, if you leave, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> and it's... A little melodramatic. Yeah, I thought it was out of place. I was like, oh, this felt like... I was like, why do you... I was like, this guy has to know this kid some further, to some further extent, you know? Yeah. And, and he doesn't. And it's an interesting juxtaposition for Wolfwood to be so stalwart in his beliefs about this type of stuff. Because on the flip side, as we said in the last episode, Vash is more of a pacifist than even your most pacifistic traditional anime character. Vash is like one of the most pacifist characters ever written into mainstream anime fiction. Mm -hmm. Like Vash will let you cut his arms off before he will take a swing on you. <laughs> he, he will go to unbelievable lengths to not hurt you. These kids, Vash hunts them down. He fakes killing them, hits them with the rubber bullets. They, they have this confrontation. The whole big thing that we learn is that the kid was free the entire time. Julius's father realized the error of his ways and realized he's like, my son just told me to go fuck myself and ran off with one of my soon-to-be prostitutes. Perhaps, perhaps I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe... Thanks. 
Maybe we're the baddies. <laughs> Did you ever think that perhaps stealing children from their parents and making them submit to a life of prostitution was wrong, Fondrik? Perhaps I was a bit selfish, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't really think of the consequences of my actions. Oh dear, what have I done? <laughs> it's kind of a bittersweet ending. The kids get away, but the... Mm, I still don't want it. The strip clubs in Fondrique are still running full steam ahead. Yeah, they didn't care. You can't save them all, though. A lesson that we're going to learn through this show. Definitely can't save them all. Because now we're in the fucking... We're, we're in the fucking arc, bro. This is it. This is what it's all been about. This is the gung-ho guns, man. I love it. I love, I love a, a, te- a, a team... You know? Right, you got I your love, spider brigade. I love brigade. a posse. Yeah, you got you your know? fucking spirit detectives. You've got your fucking league of villains. Your league of villains. And this is another set of league of villains, right? The gung ho guns are a squad, definitely. Amongst the squads, the fucking uh, Sasori's uh, people. Oh yeah. The- um. Oh, what was their name? Seaman and all of them. Sniper, Sasori. You got a Katsuki. Yeah. I think the gung ho guns definitely rank in the pantheon. Oh yeah, yeah. Some of them are useless. Like uh like the pinball guy. <laughs> EG mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh so this episode's called um, Diablo. It opens with Legato Blue Summer talking to a man who's been in a cellar for 20 years. A man that we'll come to learn is Monev the Gale. Then we cut to ice cream with the kids. Vash talking to a shoemaker. Talking about a lot of stuff. He's like, hello, sir. I know that you're a shoemaker, but I um, wanted to... This is actually really interesting storytelling. I was like, good on you, Trigun, for this shit. Vash is just in a store, and he's like, sir, I know you used to be a shoe... Or I know that you're a shoemaker, but... I had some questions for you about your other profession. So Vash is asking this guy what is about his other profession. We don't see the guy, but Vash starts to get like a um, visions of Legato. Yeah. And I was gonna say Legato's got a big shoulder pauldron. I'm just now realizing that. Yeah, he literally has like half the star of fucking whatever on his left shoulder. But the, but the know, thing that I was... Spikes sticking out of his collar. But the thing that I was um, actually getting at is the fact that Vash says, like, Hey, sir, I know you're a shoemaker, but I'm here to see you about something else. I was, like, thinking back to episode four when it's... Vash is constantly looking for gunsmiths. And being a gunsmith is apparently, like, an increasingly dangerous, questionable... Like, the mob will come up to you and they're like, hey, you're the only gunsmith for 100 miles, so now you're our gunsmith and do yeah, it or we'll yeah, kill you. and you only can do work for us. Or we will kill you or, or your family. And so I thought it was, like, an interesting bit of subtle storytelling that Vash goes into a shoe store. And he's like, excuse me, sir, I wanted to ask you about something else. And you, he never directly says it, but it's, like, a little hint of, like, yeah. for you. For I'm you, the viewer. looking for an ex-blacksmith. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then we cut to all of these uh, thoughts going on inside Vash's head. He's like, there's a dude here in a sh- with a shoulder pauldron here to end my life. Uh, he steps outside and he sees this man giving a hot dog to a little girl. 
and then he crushes the little girl's head. Yeah. And Vash is like, what are you doing? And the man's like, I'm not doing anything. Yeah. And Vash realizes that his mind has been freaked. <laughs> mind freak. Yeah. And, and you're, as the viewer, I don't know. I didn't know what the hell was going on. I mean, I thought the it was obvious that the guy got his head. Yeah, uh, it was just... I'm like, uh, immediately you're like, oh, he has powers. He has like OP powers. He has telepathy, but <laughs> telepathy is kind of a big leap in... Uh, he has the eye of the shotting gun, man. Uh, yeah, he, so it, it was just a, in, in terms of fantasticness, up, up to this point, a 55 foot tall human being, for me, is less outrageous than a tele- telepathic human, you know. Mm. I don't know what. What would you? What would you be more surprised by? A human the size of a house or a human who's telepathic? Both. <laughs> I, they're both equally jarring. They're both equally scary, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know who I want to fight, dude. <laughs> like a gigantism. You, you, you know it, it's creepy looking. Yeah, they got big, dopey heads, too. They don't look like normal people. They're like... Yeah, and their arms are, like, longer than their, like... You know, it goes down to their thighs, you know, their arms. They look like they're in constant pain just by existing. Yeah. They are. (laughs) (laughs) Their spines can't take it. So, Legato's playing head games with Vash. Vash is getting arrested. Someone gets hurt. What does Legato do here? I thought he just goes away. He does just go away. The, something happens he, to The someone. little girl runs off and he goes away. But Vash gets arrested because someone says something happened. Vash gets arrested because... He gets arrested. Meanwhile, while he's getting arrested, he's mulling over the, f- the thoughts that he had while Legato was in his head. Because Legato didn't just show Vash images of him killing that little girl. He caused Vash to see an image of a man who heretofore has been unnamed throughout the series. And that's causing Vash, like, a lot of PTSD. Yeah. He's like, ah, ah. Meanwhile, while Vash is mulling over that in his prison cell, an attack happens at the prison. Someone, Monev the Gale, shows up, and he's like, I'm here to kill Vash. And he immediately starts blowing holes in walls. He's trying, he's like, I'm going to get to And Yeah, and wasn't Millie trying to get him out of jail or some shit like that, or Meryl? Meryl and Millie are trying to get Vash out of jail. And then as and he was like, you guys probably shouldn't get involved anymore, right? Yeah. And then and then all of a sudden he gets fucking blasted, like the fucking wall explodes and then uh And so Monev is attacking Vash. He's explaining that he was imprisoned for two decades for this day. And you this is another moment of storytelling that you gotta like kind of keep in the back of your head is that Gale's whole life has been built around Vash's life. Cause he's like, I've been in prison for 20 years. They've been holding me for this day yeah, to yeah. kill you, Vash the state. And all I've been doing was just lifting weights. <laughs> all I've been doing is just hitting the fucking yeah. 
uh, caveman coffee and yeah. alpha brain. I've been fucking, <laughs> and on it. <laughs> I've been on. I've been on Joe Rogan supplements for twenty fucking years, bro. I got a neck like a tree trunk. I'm here to fuck up your day. But the thing, the subtle thing that you get out of that is, you look at Vash and then you look at Monev and you say, Vash, this man has been spending the last 20 years of his life trying to get a man who appears to be in his 20s yeah and so you're like wait what this guy has been training for 20 years to kill vash and you're like what is you have to wonder how old is vash you know it's yeah this is the first moment i think that like really lays into you questioning how old it's like he, he won't be free until vash is dead you know? Yeah, and so he, you're he like, longs for freedom and sunlight. He almost has nothing against Vash. Yeah, but he's just like, this is the only life I've known. And so I don't know how old Monev is, but it is he, he's straight up like a rip of the Scorpion, of Brock Lesnar, <laughs> of that and the Scorpion from Spider Man. Yeah, mean, he does. He's look- a purple Scorpion, pretty much. Yeah, and so he's trying to get Vash. Vash is running away, trying to avoid him. And Monev says, oh, okay, you know what I'm just going to do then is I'm going to mow down every person between you and me. And this is a brutal fucking scene. It's women, it's children, it's men, it's families. It doesn't... Monev... The kill count for the series up until now is the pilot of the Sand Steamer. Yeah. Otherwise, Vash and Wolfwood popping off shots here, popping off shots there. And it's like, they managed to not kill anyone. Huh. It's wild. Like, they managed to only injure people. And then right here, Monev instantly, like, 40 people dead unabashedly dead like child under pile of rubble yeah dead the girl's face is turning blue why because she's dead that's rigor mortis kicking in (laughs) on this child because we just killed her on camera you know like this is a turn this is a turn for this goofy ass series yeah and so we uh so we cut to on the hilltop classic classic 90s badass anime pose everyone gets one of these like alucard and helsing gets one of these jubei and ninja scroll gets one of these jojo gets one of these you get one of these if you're a badass in the 90s you get to stand on the hill with the light behind you with the white eyes your body blacked out yeah and anger (laughs) The emotion of anger just like on the screen. It's it, it, it's the look, man. It's mob at, at three question marks. It's, yeah. it's the it it's is the, so, it's what I call the snapping point. It is the iconic fucking oh man, we're about to fucking see some shit. Mm-hmm. About to see some shit go down. And so, and this is why I wanted to point out Vash's fire rate in the last episode. Because Vash is like, it's one of those things where it's like, bang, and you see four holes in Monev's, you see a piece of his shoulder get blown off, and you see four bullet holes appear in his mask. But it's like, if you listen to the audio clip, I might put it in here, it is one bullet shot that you hear, and and it's like, he got And he notices. He gets hit six times, and he's like, whoa, what just happened? (laughs) 
and Vash is just five, in the span of less than five seconds. Vash hits him with like twenty rounds. <laughs> it's insane firing, and I feel like this show we don't have bullet time like we normally do. You know, bullet time. This is pre Matrix, so bullet time wasn't what it is now. We don't have the anime budget. But I feel like they don't convey how absurdly fast these shots are coming off. Mm-hmm. How it's like it, coming off so fast you don't know how to even deal with them. You they don't have the characters like, whoa, you know? That I mean, sounded like one shot. Vash gets close on Monev. Uh, we get some shots of the Diablo in their heads. Monev is having flashbacks of all of his torture. Vash, uh, Monever also reveals that Vash is out of bullets. No, he only has like two left. He's like, I only got two bullets left. And Vash is forced to reveal his hitting gun. Yes. Monev is simping for his fucking life. He's like, please don't kill me. Please. Oh, Fucking, ah, please. I've just, I've never tasted Lindenberry. And I've, uh, Yeah. But you know he's gonna, like, shoot you in the back of the head as soon as, like, you say, all right. You know? Yeah, he's like, please, Vash, please. Oh, I love life. Oh, you know I love that life. Yeah, it's such a Megatron, like, <laughs> it's such trope. a bitch. Such a yeah. bitch move. But yeah, he's, he goes to try to make a move on Vash. Vash is forced to reveal his hidden gun. And he blows Monev away. Yeah. And you're like, damn. First kill. He had to do it. Had to do it. This is the length you've got to push Vash to. He- yeah, to, you have to murder 40 people prior in front of his face. <laughs> then, he'll, he, then he'll kill you. Otherwise, he'll spare your life. He was going to spare him, too. Yeah. Um, it, so it cuts to a flashback about Rem. And she's explaining how humans are so incredibly dry. She's like, humans are dry, Vash. They're dry. <laughs> they don't got this. WAP won't come out for another few years. Uh, we get an episode that's basically just a um, recap episode. We get a little Arcadia. Ooh, God, this is the this is the the Angel Arm trilogy of episodes. Actually, these are this is one of some of my favorite shit. So, we're in Little Arcadia. There's these <laughs> fat-lipped golems, as they're describing, in a town having a shootout. And it's over... There's this family called the Morgan family. And then there's this other family called uh, the Nebraska... Fa- or no. <laughs> I'm getting everyone's name. I'm getting everyone's names wrong. There's this little plot of land in the middle of the desert that they've managed to terraform into a livable place. This man named Morgan wants it. This is kind of a... This episode's really about letting us know the state of plant life on the the planet. Mm -hmm. How precious plant life is, how little... How... This whole episode can almost be summed up by the shock and awe that people have the first time they see, like, trees. And like flowers and bushes and grass. They're like, oh my God, what is this? <laughs> this is insane. And he's like, this is like the most valuable plot of land on the planet right now. And this guy named Morgan wants it. So he can like 
frack it for oil or something. <laughs> you know, some some cigar chomping evil fucking thing. Right. They uh, there's a robber there, and he's like. Hey, we're here to make you give up your land. You got it. You know that Morgan's going to come in and take it. And they're like, get out of here, Badwick. And you realize that the robber that's there who's like, give up the land is the son of the owner of the land. <laughs> and he is sided with Morgan because he sees this whole endeavor as inevitable. He's like, we're going to lose the farm, dad. It's a tale as old as time. We're going to lose the farm, dad. Mm-hmm. Might as well take the money. Dad, I, I work for IBM now. International business machines. You can't keep <laughs> selling corn. It's just not profitable anymore. You gotta retire, Daddy. Daddy. <laughs> daddy. Come on, Daddy. I don't know. This episode, the, the, bi- the biggest thing and the best thing that we get out of this is that we met to meet Maryland, Nebraska and company. <laughs> This Morgan guy is like, we're going to take that greenhouse if it's the last thing I do. So he hires Maryland, Nebraska and company. Maryland, Nebraska is a circus troupe, a woman with a hundred foot woman. Throw out the 50 foot man from last week. This is the hundred foot woman who's got a husband and two kids. She picks up her husband like a baseball (laughs) and fucking throws him into battle. Yeah. <laughs> it's so wacky here. It's just like this is Looney Tunes. I mean I I'm here eating my lasagna and in between my ma- layers of meat and cheese you've got a clown shoe. <laughs> <laughs> this is funny shit though. Yeah. Just conceptually a woman that fights by throwing her family at you. <laughs> literally throwing her family at you. And that's like their bag like let me ball up mom. <laughs> you throw <laughs> It's so fucking stupid. These people are mutants. What is in the water? <laughs> um, we learned that Morgan, they're like, you're going to take little Arcadia and you're going to drill for oil here or something. And he's like, I'm going to take little Arcadia. I'm going to kill everyone here. And then I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to grow weed. I'm going to grow gang weed here, bro. And I'm going to fucking kill all you people here before I do it. Yeah. So they realize, you know, our heroes, the gang... They're like, you can't be doing that. So Vash puts a stop to it, as he does. <laughs> he puts a stop to Aurora Cannabis. Just like, yeah, right? <laughs> we could have had weed, man. We could have fucking had the bud. <laughs> but yeah, this isn't a filler episode. This episode just demonstrates the scarcity of plant life on the planet, I think. So we cut to Demon's Eye. We're in a bar, and there's a sex trafficker. We know this because he is trading a woman. He's in the middle of a trade. He's like, I've got this woman, $50. And the guy's like, I'll give you 30 for her. And he's like, good. She's a bitch. I hate women. Good deal. Fuck her. (laughs) And the guy's like, I will fuck her. But not after my dog fucks her. And you're just like, why? Well, whatever. So Legato is at this bar. And he's just like, hmm, I'm just, he's just hanging out there. He's like, I'm just doing my Google Docs at this Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) Here I am with a Google Docs page open. There's nothing on it. But Legato's just drinking his chai latte and typing words that he's then erasing. (laughs) (laughs) 
And this guy is mad at this woman because she looks over at Legato and he can tell she's trying to smash. She's like, that's a fucking hot dude over there. And it is it is a thing when you're with a girl and she looks at another guy and you know she wants to bang him. And you're like, <sighs> and if you were in this Red Dead Redemption reality, I can see being like, oh, you think that guy's got a pretty face? Well, not for much longer. And <laughs> <laughs> just like shoots his face off. Yeah, I mean, there's no rules here. So this guy is like, I'm going to beat up this woman and then I'm going to beat up this man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so it's a terrible decision. He goes to try to hit Legato, and Legato is like, hmm, I'm... He says, you know, generic evil villain stuff. And that's something that has aged very poorly, is Legato Blue Summer's whole... We've had too many Thanoses. We've had too many Steppenwolves from fucking Justice League. We've had too many move like General Grodd from Man of Steel... We've had too many things where it's like, I must cleanse this polluted earth of... It's why they ruined Apocalypse and Age of Apocalypse. I must cleanse this planet filthy with the human menace. It must all be wiped clean. But Legato hits him with that shit. He's like, we must cleanse this planet of humans. (laughs) And it's like, well, dude, you're a human too. And it's like, yes, but I want to fuck a plant man. (laughs) (laughs) And so Legato uses his telepathy to make everyone in the bar blow their brains out. Not everyone in the bar. He makes all the men in the bar blow their brains out. Because you know what? Legato's aware that the gender pay gap is a problem. He's doing his part. Meanwhile, the whole time, Mid-Valley the Horn Freak, as we'll come to learn, is playing saxophone. You've got a good bass player. you got a good drummer when people He's are... He's like... I, don't, I have nothing against saxophone players, but out of the gun-ho guns, I, I don't... Really? I'm not a big fan of him. <laughs> That's funny. I like Kane is cooler, dude. Really? Yeah. Damn. I think Kane the long shot is a cooler uh, <laughs> guy than him. Everyone at the bar commits suicide. The Rodericks are coming back to avenge their dead. Um, and Legato starts to say, you know what? I'll kill <laughs> the fucking Rodericks. We're the Rodericks. Did you just make our brother kill himself? There's going to be hell to pay for that. <laughs> and he's like, I'll make you kill yourself too, bro. I'll make all you kill yourselves. But he doesn't have to. Because you know why? Because Squad rolls up. And Squad rolls up in a fantabulous manner. This is the introduction to the other gung-ho guns. <laughs> he's like, I'll leave you to them. Higglety, piggledy. And they pick off all these clowns. They do their thing. It's a fun entrance. They have a moment where, where he's talking to them and they're like, we need to go kill Vash, right? I mean, that's like kind of the purpose of this group, I guess. You don't know if these were all criminals. At this point, you don't know why all these criminals are working together. And given who Legato is, it's not absurd to think he just intimidated them all. Because you can, like, Monev the Gale did not like working for Legato Blue Summer. Like, he was like, I fucking hate you. I hate this. I just want to live my life. Yeah. I just want to... I just want to be an IT guy. I just want to... I, just- <laughs> <laughs> I hate lifting weight. I hate whey protein. 
<laughs> I just, I, I just want to eat pizza and have a good salary. I want to throw out my shaker cups. <laughs> I hate this shit. I hate back day. Creatine makes me fart. <laughs> but it, it, Legato makes a classic villain mistake. The gung ho guns are all right there, and they're like, "So we're going after Vash," and he's like, "I would never waste all this talent on one man, <laughs> dude." They're already paid. Your lawyer's on retainer. Just do it. Just yeah, do you it. already assembled the <laughs> team. A, right? <laughs> if I got my boys there, I'm not going to like go in and be like, no, like, this is, we're only going into this fight with two men. It's like, no, man. We're, we're going to roll over this. This is yeah. not going to be a fair fight. This is not meant to be fair. Yeah. We are cheaters and criminals. <laughs> yeah. I have telepathy. This is all cheating. Everything I've ever done is cheating. Yeah. <laughs> every woman I've ever picked up, every fucking... All right, all right. Uh, well, <laughs> jeez. I'm just saying. I don't want to hate Legato that much. <laughs> He's never picked up a chick without She's cheating. kind of cool. Without having every other dude pull their brains out. <laughs> <laughs> so he tells Dominique the Cyclops to go get it done. And Vash is wandering around, and he's like, oh, man, what is, is that a pile of dead bodies? And Vash is like, holy shit. This is another moment. It's nice now that the show will always let us know when it's not fucking around anymore. Yeah. When you see a pile of dead, it's like, we're not just A pile of dead. (laughs) What's that, son? (laughs) It's a pile of dead. It's a pile of dead. Dead. (laughs) So you see a pile of dead. Vash is like, oh, man, this is about to get serious. Dominique the Cyclops tries to kill him. They're fighting, and it's really funny. Vash says some shit. He's like, I should slap you. And she's like, huh. And he's like, you know, I could have groped you. (laughs) And he's like, I could have given that titty a honk. And I didn't. Bitch. (laughs) And they get into a gunfight. Dominique says some zingers. She's like, your simple style, your simple peasant shit. It's gotten you so far. It's not going to last you any longer. That shit ends here right now. I'm a real one, motherfucker. Vash is like, but it's real. Dominique is fucking him up. She's getting in his head. She's using her, her demon eye to make him think that he's getting hypnotized. He doesn't realize it, but Vash is getting hypnotized. He's thinking she's standing in place when she's moving all around him. But he, uh, luckily for us, our boy broke his finger earlier in the episode and if you're ever well, let me tell you this if you're ever uh being if you're ever fighting a hypnotist like you find yourself on the set of now you see me part three or um you find yourself in um a pokemon live action movie fighting a <laughs> hypno this is your out you just focus on the fingering and you can get out of there because <laughs> that's how our boy does it Dominique's like, this is never, this is inconceivable. This has never happened to me before. Yeah. My, my move. This is my whole thing. My only move. This was my, I worked so hard. That is like a, like a moment that always happens with anime villains. It's like, oh, you figured it out. <laughs> you figured out my game. And they have no answer for that ever. I Half mean, the time. But real life's kind of like that. You know? Oh, the trick. Like, then you, uh, yeah, everyone's got, like, one trick. Yeah. We're, we're simple people. I do do the jump kick in Mortal Kombat, you know. <laughs> A lot of people can't figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> 
And so Vash shoots her right in her spooky eye, which doesn't kill her. <laughs> it just breaks her spooky eye. And then he says something super fucking funny. He's like, instead of spending time cleaning up people, you should be cleaning house for the man you love. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to get with her. That is such... That line has aged so well. That That is an evergreen sentence, bro. That Like a fine wine. <laughs> Saying to your defeated enemy, you should be cleaning your, your man's house. <laughs> Vash basically told Dominique the Cyclops, an accomplished woman with hundreds of kills for the gung-ho gun, he basically said, make me a sandwich, bitch, and then slapped her in the titties. <laughs> Just... Like three stooges smacked all three of her titties. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, It would be nice if next time we met you were wearing a dress. <laughs> Piles it on. I know, right? He's trying to get a piece like I'm trying to get a peek at that ass, girl. <laughs> He's like, Hey, Dominique the Cyclops, here's the thing is I only respect you sexually. <laughs> Your skills as a gunman are nil in, in lieu of the fact that you have a vagina. <laughs> Welcome to Earth 2. <laughs> I couldn't believe he said that shit, though. He actually says, next time, what, wear a dress. <laughs> yeah. It's very uh, humiliating. Dominique goes to Mid-Valley, another gung-ho gun, to explain her failure. Not something you want to get in the habit of doing, explaining your failure to another gung-ho gun. Yeah. They don't have a very good uh, sense of a. They don't have sportsmanship. a They don't have a very stringent system for like you know assessing your weaknesses and getting yeah consulting. Like yeah, they're the the, the gung ho guns consulting firm is kind of like a one way door. <laughs> yeah, in which we come to find there ain't no losing in the gung ho guns. <laughs> We see Legato uh, standing on top of the opposing building looking at Vash. And Legato Batman's out of the picture. Like, straight up in a puff of smoke. <laughs> He's like, I'm out of here. I'm late. I'm Batman. He, said, he, puts, he doesn't say it, but he puts the thought into Vash's mind. Yeah. Which is weird because Vash doesn't know what Batman is. But Legato <laughs> is like, I'm Batman. <laughs> and then, oh, this is it. This is the final leg of our journey this is what arc two of trigun part two is all about man because we are at the fifth moon and this man this is the turning point for the series to me because up until now trigun has just been interesting but mm. this is where it starts to get spicy this is where we get we'll put some cayenne in that trigun. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> E.G. Mine is talking, and he's like, Dominique the Cyclops has proven herself worthless. I shall make my attempt at Vash the Stampede. And everyone's like, okay, E.G. And he's like, I don't look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like, no, E.G., you're totally, like, the coolest one of the gung-ho guns. Like, that's why we... And he's like, did you all have a party over the weekend? I, I was checking Snapchat, and I just... <laughs> it looked like everyone was there. Like... Gray the Nine Lives was there. He doesn't even dance. <laughs> Kane was even there. 
there. Kane doesn't. He just has his back against the wall at parties. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he doesn't even get invited half the time. He just doesn't talk to anyone. And yet I saw on his, on his Snapchat, he was <laughs> in the pool. He, he was in the pool. And talking to Dominique. Talking to, and I wasn't there. <laughs> So EG Mine is He's like trying to He's like I'll make my attempt on Vash Because if you want a good job done you gotta do it yourself And Vash We come to find cut to Vash Vash is like Girls It's been fun It's been real I've had Millie You are a hoot to get drunk with Meryl Kind of a stick in the mud but you bring donuts Fucking A game you two bangers would date either of you any day. Swipe left, but bye. <laughs> a guy just killed forty people to attempt to get me. I'm deleting my Facebook, <laughs> <laughs> and you all would do well to block me on all platforms. <laughs> so Vash is dipped. He knows it's for the he knows it's for the better, the greater good. He's like, I'm a conservative Twitter now. I have a conservative Twitter account, so you're going to want to put some distance between me and you. Otherwise, <laughs> you're going to get brigaded, and people are going to start calling you Nazis. <laughs> so, you girls, you. so it's been two weeks since anyone has seen Vash. And this is nice, because as a youngin, I remember getting fed up with Vash at this point. And I enjoyed that Vash is like, I have to go after the gung-ho guns. Vash is like, I can't... He's finally on a mission. I have to be proactive. Yeah, he's I, not fucking around. I can't sit back. I've been sitting back, and look at... Like, I got that whole... I've gotten so many people killed. And before, I could, like, wipe it away by, like, oh, no, like, these were bad people. Like, you get caught in the middle of a gang war. You don't care that much. How It's like, oh, 50 people died today, and it's like, yeah, but, like... I was it, in a gang war. It wasn't, like, 50, like... Publix grocery workers or something, you know, it was like 50 people who were shooting at each other. <laughs> like, who cares? But Vash is like, I just got like 40 women and children killed. Like, I got to get the fuck on. I need to stop telling people my name is Vash again. I need to change my name, probably dye my hair and stop wearing this red trench coat. That'd be a good <laughs> that'd be a good start. <laughs> like, honestly, if Vash just started telling people that his name was like Douglas, <laughs> probably, yeah, no one, yeah, probably avoid a lot of his problems and stop shooting so damn well. Yeah. <laughs> just like, just miss, well, he's been missing for half the show, dude. My brother, I, my brother has had a gun on him since he was 19 years old. I have never seen him pull it out. <laughs> Vash pulls his gun out at like fucking barbecues, he pulls it out at karaoke night, he pulls it out when you're playing like Trivial Pursuit. And he's like, oh, I'm just cleaning it. Oh, I'm just fucking like, oh, I'm just balancing an egg on my gun. <laughs> and you're like, dude, we're cooking cinnamon toast crunch over here. Like, we're, we're making breakfast for Cook, kids. Cooking cinnamon we're toast cooking, crunch. We're putting cinnamon toast crunch in the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> kids, they like it hot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to boil my, my pops. I'm trying to boil spaghetti over here, I'm man. Boil you're, my fruit loops here. <laughs> 
Everyone knows kids in the winter love hot fruit loops. So I gotta let my frosted flakes sit. In you the just pot. keep doing very humanoid typhoon things when you're out and about trying to live your supposedly normal life, dude. Just become a bag boy at a grocery store like the rest of us, and stop having these weird things happen to you. But he's a man on a mission now. Uh, Legato sends a suicidal mind slave to Augusta to tell Vash that it's not going to get better. This is a move. Send a man <laughs> to your enemy. Your, your enemy who's a pacifist. And he's like, hey, Vash. And he's like, oh, no. And he's like, I bet you really wouldn't like if I did this. And he puts a gun to his head and Vash is like, no, don't. And he's like, I'm going to do it. And he <laughs> shoots himself. Vash is like, no! And then Legato sends Vash like a tweet. He tweets Vash in his DMs and he's like, lol. (laughs) 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 And so Vash is like, I'm not going to keep dealing with this. Legato keeps DMing me, lol, every time he sends a suicidal mind slave to my apartment. I got to go stop this. And uh, (laughs) he, uh, he goes out and what does he see? outside of his apartment pinned against the wall but the corpses because vash shot he shot monev the gale but he didn't kill monev the gale he left monev to be taken in by the police dom he left dominique the cyclops obviously hoping to see her in a dresser who knows maybe a romper something yeah. hot something sexy she's got legs she's a leggy one underneath that trench coat but we're not gonna get to see those legs Because we find her crucified, literally crucified, pinned to the wall, along with Monev the Gale, both of them by their friend, their former friend, E.G. Mine. (laughs) That'll teach you to criticize my potato salad. Um, he's very unabashedly, he's like, there are no losers in these games, Vash. Losers go to hell, Vash. Which is, that's a line. That's, and Vash is like, you know, I've been playing this like it's a game. I actually have been playing this like it's a fucking game this whole time. I've been laughing. I've been cutting jokes. I'm going to eat donuts in the middle of battle. <laughs> but I like this. I thought it was, because the Spider Brigade, you go to Hunter x Hunter, they're not like this. Yeah. They don't eat their own. Akatsuki? Yeah, they, they have their backs. Akatsuki's a 50-50 split. Half no, there's politics in that. There's yeah. way more politics involved in that. You can't just take out a member of Akatsuki. Yeah, they all have their own motives almost. You know, each Akatsuki. And so I thought it was actually very unique that it almost felt like if you encounter a gung-ho gun. And now, I guess less than other gung-ho guns. Because with the Spider Brigade, you feel like there's like a recruitment met- methodology. Like, you feel like Hisoka became a member of the Spider Brigade. Yeah. You know? He signed up. He did something and got in. With the gung-ho guns, I don't know how you get in. I don't know how you get out. Monev didn't want to be in. (laughs) Dominique didn't want to get out. Yeah. (laughs) EG didn't like either of them. I don't know how it works. I don't know what's tying these people together. (laughs) <laughs> it's obviously Legato. He's... I I guess I guess they're all just under Legato's thumb, and they're all various degrees of loyal. 
I do want to stress at the meeting of all of the gung-ho guns prior, they do make a point of pointing out, they're like, well, this is all of us? And they're like, well, no, Chapel's missing. And you're like, Chapel? And they're like, yeah, Chapel's not here. And they're like, Chapel's always late. Chapel's always doing his own shit. And I thought that was some cool breadcrumbing. Yeah. Because... We'll get into it on the next episode because there's so much to talk about in this one. Right. Because this is. So EG Mine is fighting Vash. He's like, Vash, you need to understand. I'm trying to kill you. I will kill everyone around you. If you spare us, we will kill the people you spare. If you try to run from this and go to some town to hide, we will kill the people in that town. This, Vash, your days of running. This bullshit that you have been doing for, spoiler alert, decades, it ends here. This is it. You've got to have your big fucking climactic battle. You, you know why we're doing this. You know what's going on. And you know why this has to happen. And it's interesting because despite the ferventness of the gung-ho guns, we don't know why they're doing this. They've yeah. been hired. What do you mean? But like, they're not fighting like assassins they're fighting like zealots like it's different when you believe in something versus fighting because you got paid money i mean that's all i mean that's all we know so far i know but but that's the thing is it's like it feels like they're not paid it feels like there's no money being exchanged with these guys so it feels like they have to be fighting for what they see to be a great maybe but or then maybe the, they owe and then it's even further conflicted because Day the blade shows up <laughs> he, he saves EG's ass. Well, he arrives and he's talking Japanese, and it's actually very funny that Vash doesn't understand Japanese. Raide shows up and hits him with some, and they're like, "What's the we- first samurai we've seen in the show? He's probably the only samurai, the last samurai." And um, so, what's interesting about Raide is Raide is super fast. He's Bushido. He sees Vash as like a means of achieving Bushido. Like, he sees this, like, which is interesting. He sees, like, this, like, dance with death that he's doing as a way for him to achieve what I imagine he feels is, like, a lost art. Because it's like, bro, achieving anything close to honor in this in this economy, that's a tall order. But it's interesting. Another thing that's cool, though, Raiday, super fast, Vash starts shooting, and Raiday is the first person that actually says, I can... He Raide says that was so fast I barely saw him move. So Raide is like the one of the I presume the swordsman of the gung ho guns is one of the faster members. Yeah, and he's the first person to acknowledge. It's like the 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 trickery of it is a lot of the things that Vash has been doing throughout the series to a regular person doesn't look like he's doing anything. And I think when you see, like, Vash balancing the egg on the end of his gun when he's doing his training sessions, it's to, like, let you know that Vash is maybe moving at superhuman speeds. Like, for yeah. for so much stuff. And Raide is, like, the only one who's like, whoa, I can barely keep track of that guy's movements. He says, he specifically says, I can barely keep track of how fast that guy is moving. So Raide immediately kills EG Mine. 
<laughs> no, he tells Yijimon, you're a fucking fool. Yeah, you're a fucking... You're stupid. That... You, you're dead before you even came in there. You chose to die. <laughs> he says to Yijimon, he's like, we had salmon at the party. And then he cuts him in half. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Your ex-girlfriend was there, Yijimon. And he's like, what? <laughs> he's like, curse you. Curse <laughs> We get a recycled gun arm animation from Vash. You got to. He starts shooting at... Raide shoots his sword at Vash, and he cuts him. This whole time they're fighting, he's yelling crazy stuff. Like, Vash is like, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to hurt any people. And Raide says, we are not people. We are dark puppets. We are actors for our masters. <laughs> and it thought that's like, you know, going to what you're... Going to me saying this isn't for money Raide specifically like I'm seeking Bushido but I'm aware that I'm a dark puppet for a master I am not he says we are not people and that's like that's a very chosen line to say especially for a samurai yeah that's pretty edgy for a samurai it's pretty, he's a <laughs> so he hits Vash he uh Vash is injured Vash's shoulder is cut and Vash is begging for his life. The whole time, Legato's in Vash's head. And he's like, ah, Vash, this is everything you fear. This is your moment. This is it. I shall trigger you. I shall send you naked pictures of your ex-girlfriend, Vash. <laughs> and so Vash is like, get out of my head. No, no, you can't do this. And this is, this is crazy. This is almost a... Um, this is like the pivotal moment of the series. This opens up all of the possibilities of everything that we're going to see going forward. Is Vash's gun breaks open and you start to see like a nuclear power core thing in it. Start to like and Vash is like no! No! And you start to see feathers sprouting out of like Vash's like shoulder neck yeah, area. It was it was gross. It made it me itchy. Does not look cool looks itchy and you see the skin on vash's hand start to grow over the handle yeah, of the it's, gun it's like morphing you see his gun like start There's to like cracks in it and shit and i was just like ew yeah and imagine your arm like opening up you know <laughs> like that ew this is gross dude meanwhile Raide got some great lines. He says, what is this strange phenomenon? Is this some sort of twisted Christian science? <laughs> and then he, he says to himself, is this Bushido? Because he's seeing this giant... Now, Vash is pointing his arm up. He's charging his laser. You're, and Raide has no idea what's going on anymore. Yeah, he's still, like, paused. Like, he's petrified. He's seeing a small, like, localized like he's stuck sun. In a, he's stuck in a swinging pose. Like, what the fuck is this? What the fuck am I looking at, you know? And Vash is, like, get out of here! Run! Oh, my God! It's a million times worse than you think! Yeah. <laughs> and so Legato is standing up on the hill, and this is fucking gross. Legato licks his arm, he's like, <laughs> Vash, Ew. and just like licks his arm, and it's like, what are you doing, man? You weirdo with your big-ass shoulder pauldron. <laughs> so Wolfwood arrives... And he's like, Wolfwood is pulling up outside the city on the motorcycle. He's like, what's going on? And 
you see this gigantic laser shoot out of the city into the sky, leaving a crater in the fucking moon. Mm -hmm. Like, leaving a hole the size of, like, Texas in the fucking moon. Mm -hmm. This is the revelation where you're like, this was the event in July. How many years ago did they say? 28 years ago? I believe so. I'm not too sure on the exact number of years. This was crazy to me. This caught me 100% off guard as a child. I had no idea what the hell was going on. I, w I was right, A. I was like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Like, I, this, is like, this is when the series got a little too big brain for me. He still obliterated everything around him, too. Oh yeah. It was like a it was just 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 rubble everywhere. And so uh <laughs> Vash gets out of there. Wolfwood shows up. Rye is there stupefied. Just like what wh what did I just see? I I just saw the equivalent of this must be like surviving Hiroshima. And being like, what was that? Did you guys see that, like, small... Everything is gone. Did you guys see that white dwarf star that, like, came out of nowhere? Did you guys <laughs> see a flash and everything was gone? <laughs> yeah, like, what... I heard the rumors about what happened back in July, but, like... Yeah, there was a flash, a bang, and my hair started falling out. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's like, yeah, I was, like, 100 miles away, and the gust of wind ripped the roof off of my house. Yeah, like, and all my china is shattered. What the fucking hell happened in the middle of Nevada? Yeah. <laughs> like... So Wolfwood walks up on Ryday and he's just like, "What happened?" And Ryday's like, "It's insane. I, I, I don't even know." And Wolfwood's like, "Ah!" Oh, and shoots him, <laughs> kills him in cold blood right there. So it's, it's a funny karmic loop being closed here that we're gonna have to touch on in the next episode. But this, you get a montage of people theorizing now that Vash is the one responsible for the new crater in the moon. You cut to Millie and Meryl getting the report that Vash has been declared a human disaster and all insurance involvements necessary with him are ceasing. Meryl and Millie can no longer follow Vash around and write it off on company time anymore. They've effectively been restationed. Yeah. And the government, whatever semblance of a government that we have is turning its attention towards whatever caused that new crater in the moon. <laughs> they got to pay for it. <laughs> you got to cover the costs. They're going to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this is... Uh, I was hyped for this shit. This made the rest of the series for me. Like, I was... I was like, this is where the show starts. This is... Yeah. It... If you were a modern anime, if Trigon were a modern anime, this would have happened in, like, episode six. Yeah, and you'll find the rest out in, like, the middle of the show or something. Yeah. And then the last chapter is him, like, turning Earth back into, like, a paradise or something. <laughs> yeah, bringing plants back. Terraforming the entire planet and saving everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but no, this is, like, Trigon's that slow burn. It's that type of slow burn... Where you realize you're like, there's no way the world can get better. They just don't have the time. Like, right. my boy's got a robot left arm. Now you're telling me he's got a 
a uh, weapons uh, of mass a weapon of mass destruction it's, built into him the intrigue is at an all-time high mm-hmm. and I, I wonder what message the creator of the show was going for with all this like what because everything is something you know obviously the religious iconography the nature of confessions and redemptions and the the crimes of the humanity possibly affecting the children of tomorrow. You get a lot of that. I mean, I get a lot of, like, Iron Giant vibes from this, you know? Like, he's a weapon. He was made as a weapon, you know? Because clearly, like, why why would you implement that, you know? Why would you implement, like, a, a Death Star gun <laughs> in, like, you know, a person, so... Yeah, this I don't is, know the whole thing of like, oh, the friendly giant. You know, he's built as a weapon, but he doesn't have to be. He doesn't have to be a gun. You know. Yeah, and he it, doesn't want to be. And if you weren't questioning before, this firmly threw Vash into the he's not human category. Like, because mm-hmm. I thought he was a human. I thought he was like a, maybe a robotic human or a cyborg. I human. mean, you still don't know what he is yet. You know. Yeah. You just saw that. I, when I saw that, I was like, what the fuck? Like, wh- what is this show about? <laughs> I thought this is a gunslinging show. Yeah. I thought this is about having a dead eye skills. And then that happens. And I'm like, okay. You've I'm managed like, to get 16 episodes deep and you realize, what is Vash is he doing? Like a, what experiment is he? Like, what? Like, literally, what is he doing? Day like when he opens his eyes and he's like, "Well, I gotta go." <laughs> Do what? Yeah, like I don't know. At that point, I was assuming like maybe he's trying to like get rid of what he has. Like he's trying to find somebody that could cure him, or like you know maybe he got injected with something you know before the thing happened. Yeah, and know. it puts a lot of stock almost into the idea of what was the world like before. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I'm eager to see that, but I feel like that's uh, one thing that we don't really get with this show is we don't get a lot of what the world was like before. No, we get glimpses of it. But that's what it feels like to these people. It's just glimpses. It's, it's a distant memory. Yeah. It's <laughs> All it is is glimpses. It's just so like sad. This. I mean, that's life, It's so man. sad to, like, be like, yeah, that's a swimming pool. And it's like, oh, you know what a swimming pool is, but you've actually never... You don't... You've it's never a meaning, used it's one. A, it's a meaningless thing now. You've never used one, nor do you even know anyone who's ever seen that much water. That might be a reality soon, man. <laughs> Future where you, like, go it's to like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are these bags of cheetos it's like oh cheetos right <laughs> like it's a future where you go into someone's house and you see like a picture of a kiddie pool on the wall and you're like have you ever swam in a pool and they're like no but like imagine the feeling yeah like have you have you ever read the book the, have you ever as- read the road yeah like cormac mccarthy, McCarthy. Yeah. yeah it's like that kind of shit he always does that in his books where it's like oh yeah the a can of peaches it's like oh shit you know like <laughs> <laughs> what are peaches dad it's like oh peaches were these things we always used to eat back in the great days you know so here we are now with with another destroyed city legato blue summer licking his arm and laughing away and you're wondering, was Legato there the last time this happened? Probably. I mean, we'll find out. 
I guess we will. Guess we'll find out on the next episode of Pocono Podcast. Find out next time. This has been fun, man. We're gonna wrap up Trigun. It's gonna be. It's gonna yeah, be great. About time. Yeah. Hey, man. My Space com- Cowboys. Mike's gonna take like a year. <laughs> Whatever, know? man. My computer got killed. Hey, we've put out some bangers. We put out Doro Hidoro. We've put out Beast Stars. All available for you to listen to <laughs> if you're listening to this. Go back. Those episodes are evergreen. Go another listen to the shows worth watching. Too. Go listen to our review of Gundam. I wanna I wanna review another dumpster fire though. You know? <laughs> I wanna I wanna review another what was that shitty show? Kake? No, no. We can, uh, I mean, we can take a look at what this season has to offer us. Everyone's talking about the Great Pretender. Everyone's talking about I mean, we saw decadent, decadence. Yeah, decadent. Yeah, we can give both of those a try. I mean, we 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 already got and like. And you're cruising through Code Geese for the first time. Yeah, which is, whew. Ooh, that's a that's you, you got you're gonna you're gonna want to do an episode about Code Geese when you finish it. Okay, it's like twenty five episodes. Twenty four for the first season, I think twenty four for the second. Yeah, there's but three seasons. I can't stress enough. Season two is like a almost a different thing. Almost like it's still the story, but we, we, you'll see. Okay. But, yeah. Um, but we'll finish up Trigun. Then we're going to move on to Cowboy Bebop. It's all coming down the pipe. We're back. We're going to have a faster schedule. We're not going to be held up by these fucking lightning strikes anymore. <laughs> yeah. These fucking Fujin, Raijin bullshit. I'm over it. I don't got to live that way anymore. And then <laughs> we'll catch you all next time on the next episode of Boku no Podcast, an anime podcast. I've been your host, Nick. Here and, the- and we're and we're out. And we're out. <laughs> All right. About time.